bows, gifts, trees, snow, men, snow, skis, squeezing down chimneys, Santa's thick, three seas, ice skates, cold mist, mistletoe, get kissed, no mask, naughty list, who will who this? Rumble bum bum, get an ugly sweater, sugar plum plum, this is yuletide weather, all the reindeer in the sleigh is loaded, all I want for Christmas is a cure for COVID. Okay, so I'm going to tell you how Jesus became Santa. Our, our clause respondent. Uh, aerialist. Claus. Tell us what's up. They, they also think that Santa Claus was a real person too. Well, St. Nick was a real person. They think that you're a real person. Okay, so Nicholas of Mira, who later become, like after he died, he became a saint. Um, he lived in Greece, okay, and he was he was a bishop and he was like, a, he had like a trail of like miracles following him around. And he was very generous. A trail of miracles. Yes. What did he miracleize? There's a really funny story. Like, there's this like story of yeah, a he, father who he saved those whores, right? Yes, I love this. Like, uh, so there's like this father who had made like some really bad choices, and his wife dies like a long, painful death, and the father goes, "Well." Now I don't have any money because I guess the wife was like also work like the breadwinner. And he was like, I'm just going to have to pimp my daughters out now. This bishop is like, oh, no, not that. So he like he he puts money in in the guy's socks and the guy is like, oh, they great. He wakes up and he's like, oh, great. My daughters don't have to be slutty. Now I have a dowry for them. I can they can marry off. And like, yeah, St. Nick is like he's like, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> That's where the ho 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 comes from. Three daughters. He had three daughters. Exactly. Yeah. He waves goodbye to them. He's like, ho ho ho. Marry me. So he this is like in two two eighty AD. And he was known as like the gift giver. So Saint Nicholas was famous before even Constantine was Christian. Right. Work. And he yeah, he was he was like he was declared a saint in nine hundred AD. He was also the patron saint of sailors. He was, and he did wear red and white. That was like his colors, because yeah. like the life state, like because like the lifesaver is yeah. like those colors. In yeah. addition to bailing out whores and becoming a bishop, he sailed a lot. Wait, wouldn't it be crazy if that's where candy canes came from? Like the lifesaver is like red and white. Maybe they do. Maybe. Okay. I actually, don't know where they came from. I hope you have that. I know. Well. Yeah, I do know. So then there's Chris Chris Kringle. <laughs> Name spelled with with two K. I you didn't said know that. A, cr- a Kringle is like a Pringle, but it's a baked good. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And his name is Chris. His name is Chris. He so he's from like the 1600s. So Saint Nick has like he was around for like super long, and Saint Nick looks like an angel. He's like a halo and stuff. He looks like George Carlin. He's a bishop. George Carlin played a bishop. Yeah. In Dogma. So yeah, there you go. There you go. He was Saint Nicholas. So Chris Kringle. So there's like these Protestant people who are like trying to, they're like, yo, we can do, we can do a little bit of magic around the, (laughs) around this time because Puritans were like, no magic, no Christmas. The Puritans banned Christmas for 17 years. And so there were like these Protestants popping up like Martin Luther and stuff like that. Um, And they were like, people are missing the, the meaning of Christmas without all the magic. And and they're focusing on this the Saint Nick, so they they're like we're gonna replace him with the angel, the angel baby Chris Kent, oh. the angel baby. I love that Chris Kent. Great. Chris Kent became Chris 
Chris Kringle. Oh, which is which Chris Kind is Christ Child. Yes. Which then became Chris Kringle, who is Santa Claus. Exactly. So Jesus really did become Santa Claus. So they were yes. I was, I told I wasn't kidding. I was kidding the whole time. I was not kidding. I was like such a naive, foolish view of what Christmas. You don't is, know your past. Really you're denying about. your past, That's and fantastic. I'm trying to make you face I it. I did not know that Chris Kringle really is literally surprise, Christ surprise, child. surprise, surprise. Okay, That's fantastic. Yeah. So, but they were worried. The mothers were like, "Oh, but that baby is going to get lost in the snow." So they were like, "Okay, so Saint Nick can like travel with him." So for a while, we had Saint Nick and Baby Jesus. Because like, Saint Nick, patron saint of children, right? Exactly, because he doesn't want them to become sluts. Mm-hmm. So he he's running around covering up Jesus's penis so that no one can slut him out, right. and uh, they're dropping presents down your hole. Okay, so then. Also at the same time. Keeping his present wrapped, if you will. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. So the 1600s were like a super busy Santa time because there's there's two other versions of Santa that happen around this time. Okay, there's Father Christmas. So where do you think think Father Christmas is from? Oh, is he Irish? He's like another, he's like a Germanic dude. Oh, okay. Yeah. Father Christmas... It's just an old drunk. I yeah, guess. he's an old drunk. He's like a Lord Christmas, Sire Christmas, and he's kind of also like the Holly King. He's wearing, he's like in green. He's kind of like a hippie. He's got like drums and like a beer stein. He has presents and cheer, and his cheeks are like rosy. He's the first, like maybe like less. He's like not as pious as the other ones. Like he's a little, he's a little chunky. He's a little chunky. He's the first time we see a chunk. Yeah, because he's not the Christ child or a bishop of the church. He's a regular dude who just loves. He loves fur. and He's a spenny henny. Wait, so was he brought up just to challenge the Puritans? Yeah. Yeah, he's a merry alcoholic. And they were like, this is a man who, he's our Christmas mascot, like the common people. And the Puritans were like, how dare you? Right. And then there's Sinterklaas. From the land of Ikea. <laughs> so this is where Santa Claus, actually, the word Santa Claus comes from Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas. Right. What does Sinterklaas he had a white horse. stand for? So Sinterklaas is kind of like Odin because he had his white horse, but then children will put the hay in their shoes for his horse and he they would leave out like carrots and sugar near their chimney. And then he would replace the food, leaving money or presents in their shoes. So he's also kind of like the Magi because... Three Kings Day, you would all... Have you ever celebrated Three Kings Day? No. I used to celebrate it. What? Yes. You didn't even celebrate Christmas. You would well, celebrate Three Kings Day? My dad was all about the Magi because they were like the cool dudes. They burned incense. They were like the cool like yoga doing dudes. And it actually comes like... I forget if it's in January. It's like much after Christmas. And I would... I remember I had like little sneakers and... I had a pet rabbit and and she had hay and I would put some of the hay in my sneakers and leave it by the backyard. And then there would be something in my shoe. I forget what was in my shoe the next day, but like a little present or maybe like a dollar. And then we have Santa Claus in the 1800s. Okay. So Santa Claus evolves into Santa Claus. That's just the Americanized version. I was like, it's also sort of British, I think, because Americans didn't want... They didn't want Christmas for a long time because there's still a lot of Puritans. Yeah, so we should mention the Puritans when they overthrew the King of England, 
there was a period in the early 1600s where the Puritans got control. Oliver Cromwell and his dudes, there were 17 years in England where celebrating Christmas was banned, punishable by death. Whoa. Yeah. Pause. Yeah, the Puritans were not messing around because the Puritans were like strict scripturalists. Well, yeah, they also, they called the bluff of like, because everyone who was like, we'll do a Christmas tree, but really it's a Yule tree. It's like, you yeah, know. And they were like, like no iconography. Like, mm-hmm. Also, they would call the ornaments, like people would put the the ornaments like on the trees and they were like, those are witch balls. <laughs> they were like, those are, those are Satan's balls on the tree. Yeah. So they were just like, for the month of December, we will just be having mass on Sundays as usual except they're anti-Catholic, so it probably wasn't even called mass. Anyway, the Puritans, much like the Pilgrims, as we talked about in the Thanksgiving episode, did not want any of the frivolity or family-orientedness like, or I coziness want, of Christmas. Food. So yeah, 17 years, you could not celebrate, and then the Puritans lost power and, and went back to the Anglican Church, who they were like, hey, Christmas is back on. We are celebrating Jesus' birthday. So how does like Santa Claus become like Santa Claus? <laughs> So there's like several writers who popularized the modern conception or created the modern conception of Santa Claus. So Charles Dickens, while he was growing up, it was the, I guess, happened to be a particularly like cold series of winters where there was a lot of snow. Because of that famous Frankenstein volcano. Including the the year with no summer. So he had this, the conception, the popular image you have of Christmas time and a white Christmas and everything comes from Charles Dickens. Wow. And so he wrote uh, A Christmas Carol. Here's a quick quiz. How many ghosts appear? Three. No, four. <gasps> oh, because the... Wait. Because <laughs> there's a preview ghost. Oh. There's a first ghost who shows up and is like, yo, there's going to be three other ghosts. That's true. It's like the hype man for the ghosts. Exactly. The hype ghost. The yeah. candy ghost, some might call it. The opening act. There's also a tradition of like spooky Christmas time stories. There's like, if you think about Christmas, there's like mad ghosts and like all Christmas stories are like creepy. There's like ghosts. Well, sure. But Charles Dickens was using the ghosts to really emphasize the the spirit of community and togetherness and giving alms to the poor, which a lot of people hadn't really thought about Christmas in that way before. And they're like, oh, yeah, we should. That conception, it's like a very like wholesome sort of yeah family oriented thing. When Scrooge goes to to eat with what's his worker's name, Tiny Tim's family, he goes and hangs yeah. out with them. He brings him a turkey. It's great. And then there's a very famous American writer in the uh, early 1800s, so shortly after the Revolutionary War. One of the most famous American writers of all time is Washington Irving. He is a native New Yorker. He uh, popularized the nickname Gotham for New York City. He created the expression, the almighty dollar, and he created a satirical history of New York, and he came up with a fictional Dutch historian named Diedrich Knickerbocker, and that's where the phrase Knickerbocker comes from, which is the New, New York, York Knicks. The New York Knicks are named after it. So yeah, Washington Irving, like tons of contributions to American culture and literature, like prol- prolific writer. He wrote Sleepy Hollow and The Legend of Ichabod Crane and the Headless Horseman. And he also wrote about uh, St. Nicholas in his A History of New York. He has a dream sequence featuring St. Nicholas soaring over treetops in a flying wagon. Oh, like the the flyer, the like Yuletide flyer thingy? Yeah, it was a flying wagon, which later got upgraded to a sled. One more fun factoid about Washington Irving. He popularized the completely false notion that Christopher Columbus proved that the, the Earth was round. 
and other Europeans at the time of Columbus thought that the Earth was flat, which is not true. Everybody knew the Earth was round. They just didn't have accurate maps of it. Pretty cool guy. You can go visit his uh, his grave. You know where it is? On Irving Street? Irving Plaza? Those are both named after him, by the way. But wow. uh, no, he's buried in Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. Wait, where is that? Upstate. Okay. I was like, is that in New York City? Oh, my God. Yeah, so those, uh, it's, yeah, a handful of Victorian writers and Washington Irving popularized St. Nick as he is. And then I think a lot of the illustrations of Santa Claus and him being the big fat man with the beard and the red and white is... Um, Thomas Nast. Thomas Nast, famed American cartoonist. And racist. Yeah, he... Also also invented Uncle Sam. Yeah, he made all these, like, political cartoons, and, you know, he was, like, I don't know. Like, St. Nick is, like, winter... Took down Boss Tweed and the Tammany Hall machine. I feel like... How funny, like, Santa was basically, like, his wintertime Uncle Sam. He was like, I need a, a symbolism of America to say that, like, everyone but, like, white Democrats are bad <laughs> in the winter, so it's gonna be Santa. <laughs> Yeah, he he was very like very problematic, uh, but he took a lot of his inspiration from like the night before Christmas, the poem, the like epic. Poem. Oh yeah, I forget the name of the writer who wrote that particular poem. That was Clement Clark Moore. There you go. Before this, he hadn't been living in the North Pole, but they put him there because they're like, I think I think because people were like obsessed with like trying to like <laughs> go there, but you're like before he was clearly just a fictional character. And, like, yeah, they're like, he's got to live in a place that's where it snows all the time, but not in Antarctica because that was like deadly and like mad boats and stuff had died there. So they were like, well, put him in the North Pole is like safe for him. Do you want to hear about like other Santas from around the world? Tell me about the global phenomenon that is now Christmas. There's the Yule Lads. They're my favorite of the of this. Like the other, the, the, these are like alt Santas. So like if you are like vibing with Christmas, but like you want to, you want to like believe in something a little bit different. Which is, you told me, you're like, it sounds like the Beastie Boys. Well, oh, oh no, no, no. I was like, it sounds like the Proud Boys. Uh, Like it sounds like, yeah, like they're, they're like the legion of skanks. It'd be like an (laughs) SNL sketch would be like some holiday thing from like Lonely Island, but it'd be like the Yule Lads. I mean, yeah, they're from Iceland and they're named... They're named after like the naughty stuff that they do. So in Iceland, basically, instead of like, oh, be good because you're going to get gifts. It's like, don't be bad because the Yule cat. Like, Oh, and they like work with the Yule cat and the Yule cat. If you're a little bit bad, the Yule cat will like beat you with a birch like rod. If you're like a little more bad, the Yule cat will drag you to hell. And then the Yule lads are just cause mischief around the house. There's 13 of them. What's the creature that eats you if you don't have a set of new clothes on? That's also the Yule cat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, like that pisses him off too. <laughs> that behavior. Or- the, yeah. The Yule cat's like, you don't have clothes. clothes. I eat you. <laughs> mm. You're, you're, you're double bad. I drag you to hell. You're like, Grandma, Grandma, you have to knit faster. And she's like <laughs> falling asleep and shit. And you're like, please. Okay. So these are the names of the Yule lads. There's sh- the sheep coat co- clawed. So what do you think he does? Shears your sheep? No, he tries to suckle your sheep. He tries to drink their milk. Then there's gully gawk. Also a milk oriented. He likes to steal 
the foam off of the cow's mouth. He just he he takes your cappuccino and turns it into a flat white, basically. Mm-hmm. Then there's stubby, which sounds really scary. So he's short and he he likes to steal food. Oh, okay. That's not scary. It's like this, you know, like all the Norwegians are tall. They're just like, ha ha ha, short people. They're bad. Then there's spoon liquor. You're never gonna guess what he does. Okay, we move on. He I likes, got, I he likes spoons. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I'll just. I, there's door slammer. I'm just gonna give you like some of the the. There's pot scraper, bowl liquor, door slammer. Is a spoon liquor and a bowl liquor? Yep. Sausage swiper, window peeper, door sniffer, meat hook, candle beggar. Yeah, those are like the highlights. I like. Some of them are like horrifying, and some of them are like lol. Like, so Icelandic people actively celebrate this or this is just like some subtle No, no, that's trivia. like their mythology. Like that's their vibe. They, they, I feel like Icelandic people, they always have like little naughty elves in their house at all times. Like they're like, oh, spring elf, you know. Do you want to know what they do in Japan for Christmas? What? They eat KFC. No way. Really? Yes. The story of KFC in Japan is really great. They partnered with Mitsubishi. In 1970 in Japan, cars had not been widely adopted yet, I guess because the the metro was so good. The American company KFC was like, they wanted to put all these KFCs in the suburbs. And Mitsubishi was like, you don't understand. People can't drive to them. Put them in the city, like in urban areas. And KFC ignored them. So the first several KFCs like in Japan really struggled. And then they listened to the Mitsubishi company and like did the right thing. But... The manager of the first KFC restaurant in Japan, so this is out in the suburbs, having like a hard time in 1970, started promoting fried chicken party barrels as a Christmas meal intended to serve as a substitute for the traditional American turkey dinner. So his name is Takeshi Okawara. So Okawara marketed the party barrels as a way to celebrate Christmas, a holiday which lacked widespread traditions in Japan at the time. And he would dress as Santa Claus to go like promote these party barrels. And so then KFC Japan expanded the promotion nationwide with the long-running Kentucky for Christmas advertising campaign. All right, get it, KFC? Oh, yeah. Kentucky for Christmas? It's red and white, too. It's red and white. Colonel Sanders looks a little bit like Santa Claus. As of 2019 in Japan, Christmas sales of KFC makes up 5% of their annual revenue. So, like, on Christmas Eve, they sell as much chicken as they do for, like, the rest of December. I'm going to tell you about some other traditions from other places around the world. Okay, so I mentioned like the Yule goat a long time ago. And in Sweden, they still do it. They, it's basically like Burning Man, but it's a goat. Yeah, it's like, it's like a, a goat of sticks. They, it's a earth and straw. But Mad Times, it's been destroyed before like it was supposed to because people are like mischief makers. Which is kind of in the spirit of Yule. It's 23 feet wide and weighs 3.6 tons. And they have a live stream of like... <laughs> of it just goat. standing yeah. there? Okay. I guess that's to prevent people from destroying it. So the Philippines, they have a festival of lights. They basically have like Hanukkah. In Finland... Where they eat fish? No, they eat like a porridge. Of rice and milk. And they put they hide an almond in it. And whoever finds the almond wins. And then, in, and then the whole family has a sauna together. Can I tell you about another famous Christmas dish? Sure. It's called eggnog. Okay, I've never heard of it. It's also known as milk punch or egg milk punch when alcohol is added to it. Or a white Russian. Not quite. 
It's made traditionally made with milk, cream, sugar, whipped egg yolks, and egg whites. It was a custard, basically. It tastes exactly like a melted custard. It's delicious. Uh, and then you can add brandy, rum, whiskey, or bourbon to it. The word nog has a pretty interesting etymology or origin. I mean, I've, I've heard, I, know what, I know what nog means, but you can tell me. So Oxford English Dictionary calls it a kind of strong beard brewed in East Anglia. That's boring. Noggin is a Middle English term for, s- for a small carved wooden mug used to serve alcohol. But yeah, it does sound kind of like a skull. Like a noggin, noggin is like my noggin? Hello. Yes. And also head. <laughs> However, the executive editor for vocabulary.com thinks it's related to the Scottish term nug or nugged ale, where they would take ale and put a hot poker into it to like heat oh, it up. I was like, they'd smoke weed into it? Yeah, what they'd be you? like, yo, nug my ale. So eggnog originated from the early medieval British drink called posset. Posset is made with hot milk that is curdled with wine or ale and flavored with spices. Okay. It sounds absolutely disgusting. Anyway, so then across the Atlantic to the Americas during the 1700s, brandy and wine were taxed, so instead they used rum from the Caribbean. And then during the Revolutionary War, they had to stop using rum because the imports got disrupted, so they switched to American whiskey and then bourbon. And so that's how it's made. So there is another Christmas drink called wassail. A wassailing. Or which is mold. Yeah, wassail or wassail is mold wine. So you would like go up to people's houses with a wassail bowl and you'd be like, you'll fill my bowl or I'm going to fill your lawn with. And you would sing carols. Beep. <laughs> you would sing carols until they brought you wine to make you go away. <laughs> you'd be I like, shut up. You're out of key. So it that dates all the way back to the ancient Greeks and Romans, which is just a wine where you add like honey and fruits and whatever else to it. There's this other. Oh, uh, it's it's Catalonia. Catalonia. The Yule log is actually a sort of personified and it's like anthropomorphic and it like poops out gifts and there's statues of then it's become like a man. There's like statues of men like pooping everywhere in Catalonia. I, I, well, that's horrifying. Yep. That's, I don't <laughs> No one like really knows how it started. Man. Oh, no, no, no. They're just like a man straight up taking like a dump and people are like, oh, a porcelain statue of this. There's also Advent in Sweden, which I celebrated one time because I used to have a a Swedish relative and they gave me an Advent calendar where you get a big ass Christmas gift like every day of like the month of December Hmm. in South Africa because, you know, they're still like down um, but they just have like a barbecue. They also do that in New Zealand. Well, it's it's summer there, so yeah, they're not gonna yeah, go they have sledding. Yeah, barbecue though. Like, just, in in uh, New Zealand, you would hate it though because like they, they just have a barbecue every day. They have a lot of <laughs> shrimp. They have a lot of seafood. So you're not like don't go to New Zealand. And then in the Netherlands, they have like they're all about like the candies, like gingerbread, marzipan stuff. Like probably because they have the munchies and whatnot. Because they, they enjoy a different kind of tree there, if you know what I mean. Okay, do you want to know where candy canes came from? Yes. So there was like a, a priest, and he was trying to get his uh, like altar children to uh, concentrate because like they had to, they had to be in the manger. Like they, I guess they were getting painted because you couldn't get a picture taken. So he was like, oh my God, like you guys have to like sit still and like be like good children and like stop talking and moving. So he asked the local confectioner, he was like, yo, can you make something like just to put in these kids' mouths? And it was candy cane. Cause it, 
it went with like the flavorings of the season and it it looked like a shepherd crook and then you could also like put it on the tree. Priests didn't always put like bad things into kids' mouths. Why are poinsettias a popular Christmas decoration? Mexico. Yes, in Mexico they're called Flor de Noche Buena or in Noche Buena is Christmas Eve. They got their name from Joel R. Poinsett, the first U.S. minister to Mexico because he visited Mexico and was like, these red and green plants look like Christmas. And so he brought them back. And then I guess just told Americans that they were named after himself. And then the Santa Tracker, which everybody now I think follows on Google. Not uh, me. Well, if you have kids. It started, and when I was growing up, like on the news, they would have like, they would show like a satellite image of like, a radar image of like North America with like location of Santa's sled. It was like a very cute thing that they did. So that came about because in 1955, at the height of the Cold War, a general at the Continental Air Defense Command in Colorado got a call in a top secret hotline. So he was like, oh no, like the Soviets are like launching nuclear weapons on Christmas Eve. And instead, it was a young boy asking, are you really Santa Claus? Because a local newspaper accidentally published Missile Control's number as the Sears Santa hotline. So uh, Accidentally? Yeah, apparently. I guess they were one digit off. So uh, CONAD, the Continental Air Defense Command, later became NORAD, the North American Aerospace Defense Command. And so NORAD now, like, basically embraced the role as a Santa tracker because that's more lighthearted than watching out for, like, Soviet nuclear missiles. It's uh, very, like, nightmare before Christmas when they're trying to shoot him down. It's so sad. Yeah, so that's still a thing. They, they now publish a number that you can call. Um, and 1,500 NORAD troops and volunteers answer the phone lines on Christmas Eve. That's so cute. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so what do you do? what's your Christmas tradition? Like, that you did, like, your favorite whatever my mom would always make Christmas cookies and then we would we would frost them and decorate them because I had like three siblings who would always get like competitive. And I think the cookies, like by the time we were done with them, they were like kind of almost inedible because they were just covered in sprinkles. And like, if you see, they have like little silver and gold balls even. Oh, you can't eat them? Like, they're so crazy. You can eat them. They're hard sugar though. They're like not good. I mean, you can't like, point. They're, it's it, like you shouldn't eat, like it's, you shouldn't be able to. It's bad. They're bad. They look like bullets. Yeah, so we'd, we'd, like, have those. We'd, like, go way overboard on the decorating. It was pretty good. You also would yeah. have a live tree. Yes. My, my Christmas tradition, living in Northern Virginia, we had a big enough lawn, and I guess my mom is very into landscaping, so we'd get a live tree every year and put it in a big bucket, and you'd have, like, the root bulb wrapped in a burlap bag and put it in a bucket. Very you'd have pagan. to water the thing. And then after Christmas, my dad would go have to dig a hole in the, like, frozen tundra of northern virginia on december 29th or whatever and like plant a tree that's that's super pagan though super yule of you i mean anything is i guess by the time i was in my late teens we had like a whole wall of like former christmas trees that had all grown okay i'll tell you about mine do you want to yeah what's your christmas tradition although i'm jewish my dad's family is very catholic like my grandmother was like super catholic but like in a really nice way like in the way that like I feel like God and Santa would want people to be. She just wanted people to love each other and get along. She also lived in a very religious part of, or like a very uh, mafia part of Brooklyn near the Diker Heights Christmas lights. Have you heard of those? Yes. So we would go and like watch the Christmas. We would we would walk around and watch like these crazy mafia houses with all the Christmas decorations, like entire mangers and like sets and like the entire like 
story of a Christmas carol told in like lawn ornaments. And then every, and then at midnight, she had all these like little crushes around the house. And she also had giant like lawn um, ornaments of Jesus. And we would have to like go around the house and put the Jesuses like in the crushes. Like there'd be like nine crushes and we'd be like, Jesus, Jesus. And then like the outside Jesus, we'd like put him in the crush and then we'd light him up at midnight. And then I get to open a Barbie and it was really nice. Okay, cute. And we also got Christmas tree like in the city, um, which was like a whole, in New York City, it's like a whole thing. You said you get a giant Christmas tree every year, which is outrageous to do when you have yes. like a two bedroom apartment. And you would like buy it on the sidewalk and carry it several blocks. Yeah, like my dad would game out. He'd be like, "Hey, this is where we got to go this year." And then like we'd have it, we'd carry it. Be like my mom, my dad. I mean, like we'd be carrying it. It'd be like icy. And then there were like the Christmas ornaments, and every ornament was like a special. Like we'd have to like reminisce, and then we'd also watch Nightmare Before Christmas. That was like our Christmas movie. Yeah, nice. It was fun. It was great. All right, I'll tell you one more historical Christmas story. Because it's cute. Uh, shortly after the start of World War One, on December 7th, Pope Benedict uh, called... Love his eggs. He called for a temporary ceasefire during the Christmas season. And so military leaders were like, no, like ridiculous. We got a war here. But the troops in the trenches responded. And this is during like trench warfare, like World War One, like out on the front. Everybody's dug in. If you go into no man's land, you'll get like gunned down. But as Christmas Eve fell, the troops started singing carols in English and German. And the next morning, unarmed German soldiers approached the British line shouting Merry Christmas. And then they all like came out of the trenches, shook hands, exchanged gifts of chocolate and cigarettes from their rations, and had a game of soccer. Just uh, like in Twilight. Yeah. And then later that afternoon, they went back to their trenches and went about killing each other for another couple of years work it speaks to our shared sense of humanity even in the darkest moments according to this quote yeah the christmas truce i like that merry christmas happy you yule low, ha have low, a cool yule io saturnalia low saturnalia low saturnalia ho 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 hang up all of your decor hang up all of your decor and i want you to get your tinsel get your stockings get your lights get your wreath because i don't want to see you dance i want to see you prance come on shop for me shop for me shop 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 tongue pop for me pop for me 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 say burr for me burr for me burr burr for me burr for me burr say burr for me burr for me it's called burr for me burr for me burr give mur for me mur for me mur mur for me mur for me mur give mur for me mur for me mur for me come on nativity mur now snow for me snow for me snow 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 